Hi everyone and welcome to the third episode of Constant Writers. I'm Dave Musson, I'm your host and in this podcast I chat to indie horror authors about them, their work and their relationship of course with Stephen King. Do check out the other episodes if you haven't listened or watched them already and hey if you're watching this on YouTube click around my channel see what else you might find when it comes to Stephen King stuff. Now in this episode of Constant Writers I'm really excited to bring along to the table one of my favourite human beings in this entire scene, Kelly Brocklehurst, an amazing writer, a fantastic editor, and a genuine, heartfelt, brilliant champion of this incredible scene of talented people. She not only helps make it tick, but she is an integral part of it, and her talents are just very extensive. And I really hope you'll enjoy this chat. You'll find out a little bit more about Kelly, about her writing, about her editing, about how she's teamed up with Jamie Stewart from back in episode one. And then we pivot to King and we talk about Kelly's book of choice, Christine. Yep, the iconic Christine from 1983. And then we wrap up with the 19 question quickfire King challenge. As with all the other episodes, it's a great chat, so stick around. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow, subscribe, give it a rating, give it a review, and tell a friend about it as well because it all helps. But Enough from me. I'll see you on the other side. But here is the fantastic Kelly Brocklehurst. Kelly, welcome to Constant Writers. How are you doing? Good, Dave. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about as as all of these conversations are ending up being. And obviously, we've got the Stephen King stuff, which we'll get to later. But um, the main purpose of me starting this thing was to get people like you on to hear more about your writing but with you as well I mean we've got the editing we've got your your general just sort of championing and cheerleading of this this indie writing scene I guess it's useful to go back to the start so tell me a bit about how you got into reading and writing like where, where did this love of it come from what was your origin story when it comes to all of this um so I've always been a reader um you know, growing up, my parents read to us all the time. I can remember very vividly the first time I read a book on my own. It was uh, the Disney version of The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And I was at my sister's basketball game, just kind of, you know, by myself in a chair. And I was flipping through it when I realized that I could actually understand the words. Wow. Um, and like the only person who was really there for me to tell was my cousin. So, of course, I did. I was very excited. <laughs> um so that, you know, was the first book I read on my own. And then as I got older, you know, I got into Babysitter's Club. And then young adult fiction wasn't really a genre when I was a teen. So I kind of went from Babysitter's Club to Stephen King. Right. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So you go you go from Babysitter's Club to, to Stephen King. Um, like where, where did you start? Where did you start doing the other part and actually creating your own stories? Like, where, when did that come through? And I guess, yeah, I guess, where, where did all that come from? Yeah, I, I was always writing, too. Like, when I was in elementary school, I think it was, I kind of had, like, a family newsletter that I think I maybe did one issue of and never actually gave to anybody. <laughs> um, and then in middle school, you know, I was writing really bad poetry, and then in high school, my best friend and I wrote a series of plays together, which we called them plays. It was really basically fan fiction about our own lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then in college, I majored in creative writing. 
Okay. So it's, cool. you know, always been there. And I mean, I was going to ask like when you started to take writing more seriously, but I guess majoring in what you majored in, that's a pretty serious decision. But in terms of, in terms of like yeah. the, your output as a writer that people may have come across through Instagram or whatever, when, when did you start submitting to anthologies and putting yourself out there and so things? And was there anything that prompted you to start doing that? Yeah. So when I was in college getting my degree, I did have a few poems published in the student-run literary magazine. Um, and then I was writing YA at the time and, you know, sent some manuscripts to a couple of editors and was just not having any luck or not editors, agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of really realized around that time that I didn't like the YA world when it came to publishing. So I took a break. And it wasn't until the pandemic hit in 2020 that I started taking things seriously again. And was that just was just just an an urge to create, or is it like leaving it was that was that distance what you needed, just a bit of a break from it to to reinvigorate things? Yeah, I think it was both. Um, prior to 2020, I hadn't really tried to write horror. I mm-hmm. didn't think that I could. But then, somebody who we won't name started a writer's group mm-hmm. that I joined and then you know that really got me into gear with writing again and you know learning that oh I actually can write horror and there are places where I can submit things and I don't have to go for the big five publishers there are other options here so so talk to me a bit and I guess people watching and listening it's like a bit about your style of writing like how would you how would you pitch your style because because I guess it, I, from the stuff I've read of yours, it, it feels like you've, since you've been doing this stuff since the pandemic, you've got you, you you've got a real confidence about your writing and a re- quite an assured feel to it. Like, how how would you? How, what's your elevator pitch for your style of writing? I guess. I think my writing, I think it tends to lean toward more literary, uh, <laughs> which is a result of getting the degree in creative writing. Yeah. Um, and it's very character driven. <laughs> I really like to focus on people and their emotions and what sets them off and in terms of that getting those publications and getting those get yeah getting getting that sort of note that um I, I guess that that profile out there for the last couple of years what what sort of things have you um what sort of uh anthologies and stuff have you been featured in so if, if people can want to go and check out some of your work yeah, so the most recent ones were um, Slice of Life and I just say that all the time. Slice of Paradise and Beach Bodies, which was Dark Lit Press. Yeah. And then um, there's more of us than you know, which is was published by the Now Defunct Blood Rights Publishing. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, um, there's, there's Welcome to the Funhouse, which we'll come on to a little later when we talk a yeah. bit more about your, your editing yeah. work. I yeah. guess. I guess before we jump on to editing, something I've, I've been asking everyone at these is just like, how are you finding the world of, of indie publishing in general? Like, is it, is it fun? Is it challenging? Is it, is it all of the above? Cause I know from my point of view, like I, when I've had the couple of acceptances, it's been a real, a real validation of what I'm doing, but then like had so many rejections that sometimes it's like, oh great, I've got four emails and they're all rejecting stuff but uh, but then the community that has been built and like the writers group that that i think you maybe mentioned earlier but but is one that you've sort of curated one now on instagram as well it's a real supportive community like Mm -hmm. 
there's a for me there's a real range of emotions in this in this sort of indie publishing indie scene like how, how are you finding it now you've you've had a couple of years of being quite active and 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 gaining quite a powerful position within it really oh well thank you i didn't think i was that powerful um no i think it's what you said it's a lot of fun it's stressful at times i think any avenue of writing is but the community is i feel more supportive of other writing communities than i've seen Mm -hmm. because we are doing this independently because we are self-publishing because we are submitted into smaller publications Mm. um and that's not to say there's not drama in the community or like in the other writing community there is but i think we really rallied together when that happens i don't know i've just been having a lot of fun with it the biggest thing in terms of the challenge is marketing yes yeah. so I, I i don't have a degree in that i don't know how to market myself i mean i have a career in communications and marketing and i still struggle with it it's that mm-hmm. it's just that awkwardness that we all seem to have about like here's a piece of work i've done and i'm really proud of it and i think people will like it but but what sorry you want me to go and tell people about it and like big myself up it is it's a really I, I can kind of understand why people like you and jamie stewart are so naturally geared towards championing other people I, i'm finding it much easier to big up other people than i ever am bigging up myself but you're right it's such a and it's it's something you don't you don't think about i guess like you put so much effort into writing the stories and then it's like oh crap i've got to market this thing as well like nobody told me that i mean do, do you feel like you're getting better at it do you feel like you're getting more confident in in what you're offering is is, is it something that's growing with time no i'm really really bad about it and i've had conversations with michael Venavides because he's the same way where he won't market and talk about his own stuff but he'll promote other authors all day long mm-hmm. um so it's really a matter of stepping out of my comfort zone and really just saying hey i did this thing and i'm proud of it and you know read it yeah. Like, this is out there for the world now. And that's, you know, I'm an introvert anyway, so that's really hard for me to do. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah, I, I feel you totally on that. But people should go and check out your work because it is it is great. Let's let's move on to the editing stuff then. I mentioned it earlier. I mean, you are not only a writer, but you, you're an editor and a pretty pretty in-demand one. And I can, I can speak as a very satisfied customer and would happily champion your work when it comes to editing you do a terrific job and this the stuff you've done for me has been been really really valuable what made you get into that side of things because it's quite you it sort of puts you in a fairly intimate position with with the, the writers you're working with doesn't it because you're getting to see things before the finished product and you're 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 having a say on it so like what 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 sparked your interest in doing the editing it was kind of an accident um in that writer's group on instagram that mentioned just a bunch of us were talking one day and Jamie Stewart and I were both just kind of like, hey, what if there was a carnival anthology? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we pitched it to Blood Rice and, you know, they said yes. And so that was what really got me into it. In college, I took an editing class and there was a short period of time when I thought I might want to become an editor. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the type of editing we were learning how to do, okay. which was kind of more technical. So, you know, once I did Welcome to the Fun House, I realized I really, really enjoy this. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just 
jump in and I reached out to Spencer Hamilton and asked him for some tips on how to get started and it just took off from there. And in terms of that that sort of one-to-one editing you're doing, like I, I wanted to mention Welcome to the Funhouse a little bit because obviously that's, you're editing the worst, but you're also big part in actually curating the collection selecting the stories and stuff but on that sort of more i guess copy editing proof editing and stuff yeah. how how do you, how different is that uh, as a mindset for you when you sit down to read something as an editor compared to if you were either just a fan or even if you were like a beta reader for somebody like are you are you like are you sort of reading in sort of some sort of hyper awareness state do you have to do you read things multiple times before you get the red pen out like how does it work honestly it depends on the project and the timeline that i have for it Mm -hmm. there are some that i've just jumped in without having read it beforehand and i just start making the edits there are some like i think i did this with your book um where i read all of the stories first and took notes and Mm -hmm. then jumped in and started going through them a second time and editing yeah so it like i said really depends okay and do you, do you think the editing work you've done has made you a better writer? Oh, absolutely. I see things in other people's writing that I wouldn't necessarily recognize in my own. Mm-hmm. So now when I start to see it in my own, it's easier for me to catch it. I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't do it that way. And are you, are you finding, to quote one of your own phrases that was cropped up in a lot in the work you did for me, are you, are you finding it easier to flex your own horror muscles now? Now you've, now you've done a bit more editing. Um... I'm trying really hard. I think in some ways, yes. I am still going through edits for the novella that I'm working on. And mm-hmm. granted, this was written, you know, back in May or whatever, but my editor is still telling me about my horror muscles. Okay. But I think I'm getting there. Okay. We've um, we've mentioned Welcome to a Fun House a couple of times, and, and um, I've a- already spoken to Jamie for this particular series as well, with, with whom you sort of formed this dream team of of not only editors, but like anthology curators as well. And Welcome to a Fun House has a very special place in my heart because that was, that was my first publication as well. So thank you for that. Um, you've, also, you've also teamed up for The Sacrament, which will be um, dropping at some point in 2023. Like how... how 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 have you i mean you, you mentioned earlier that you kind of pitched the idea with jamie and it and it got picked up and you ran with it so is that is that process of not just doing the editing but actually selecting the lineup matching it to the theme and all of that stuff and i guess working with jamie as well is that something you've enjoyed doing oh yes i love it um i mean jamie and i got pretty close when we met during the king quizzes working in with him it's so easy we have discovered that you know we're on the same page 99 percent of the time in terms of what stories we like which ones we want even like the order to put them in in the book hmm. it's just it's been wonderful i couldn't ask for a better co editor and i mentioned earlier the two of you are both massive champions of, of the scene and, and like the the people in it and i can i can totally see why that why teaming up and, and working on an anthology would be a real excitement for you and would would really sort of um satisfy that side of what you do but i guess on the flip side when you have to send those rejections out given that you're both such big fans of 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 what the scene has to offer that that must be even harder than it i imagine it would normally be anyway it's so hard I mean, it's hard enough when I don't actually know the person that we're sending those rejection letters to. It's even harder when it's somebody that I'm friends with. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I have that added layer of having an anxiety disorder. <laughs> probably just, you know, makes it that much harder. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're always willing to talk to people. Like we had one person that we sent a rejection letter for for the sacraments. And I knew that person wanted feedback. And so I was more than happy to give that. And I guess, I guess again, it's it's all that's all going to help in terms of your own writing as well, and your own, yeah, your your just just your own skill set. And I mean, you know, for 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 a peek behind the curtain, obviously, I featured in your first anthology. I I didn't make the cut for Sacrament, and like the the feedback I got was was really helpful. That that was really encouraging. It wasn't like a sort of no, you suck. How dare you get out there? It was, you know, it was, it was, it was still, there was still heart to it. And, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I can only imagine how, how tough it is, but you know, you guys proved on Welcome to the House that you make the right cause and you can structure it. it. It works for the anthology. So I'm, I'm just really excited to see what you did come up with for the, uh, the sacrament when that drops. I think it's, um, it's pretty yeah. definitely on my, on my list of ones to keep an eye on in terms of future projects. And so you've got the sacrament coming out what 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 else do you have um in the pipeline for well th- this will be dropping at some point early 2023 so what what's on the horizon for 2023 from you mostly editing at this point mm-hmm. depending on what happens with the price manor novella um we've been talking about that having a december release date but there's mm-hmm. also been talk about relaunching the series in january so that's a little bit up in the air um for editing uh Kit Romero, or Kit Robertson, Christopher Robertson, he is doing a charity anthology that I don't think he's come up with the names for it yet, but I'll be editing that for him. Cool. Um, I should be editing another novella that he's working on, editing something for Michael Benavides. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much where I'm at first one. Oh, great. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's busy and it's, um, yeah, some, some cool people to be working with as well. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay. Well, as I mentioned at the start, this and as people know, this this channel is a Stephen King channel, so we might as well talk about him for a bit while we're here and chatting. I guess before we get into your pick of which book you've gotten for and that, just curious. I mean, you said earlier you went from Babysitters Club to Stephen King. So, like, what does Stephen King mean to you? Like, what what sort of place does he does he hold in your heart? He, he I don't even know how to describe it. Honestly, I remember seeing Carrie in my aunt's library when I was a kid and my mom wouldn't let me watch the movie but she let me read the book so that's you know kind of what really left me in and then I had a different aunt who was also a huge Stephen King fan so you know one of us would buy the book and read it and then give it to the other and just having that bond with her really now means a lot to me because she passed away a few years ago and so it was just something that we kind of shared in a really good way so you know i think that's kind of one of the big things for me with him and then plus just in the last few years all of the wonderful people i've met on instagram Mm. because of stephen kingball yeah i i often wonder whether he realizes like quite what an impact he's having in terms of like just just people who were previously strangers like making friends or all through a love of his work i'm i'm sure he does because he's 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 pretty aware of 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 his own status but um yeah i i I get the sense he'd probably quite like that um that now and what about his impact on 
your own writing has has he had much of an impact or is it is he someone that's so that you've read so much of that you almost push against when you're doing your own writing no he's definitely had an impact um to go back to my middle school days um my seventh grade literature class you know every now and then we would have assignments of you know write a story about whatever and i still have it in storage somewhere but whatever story i wrote my tagline for it was they've seen children of the core <laughs> so it was probably just a rip off of children you know, I do kind of credit for him for really giving me insane horror novels. <laughs> and the few times that I tried to write horror, you know, before 2020, I don't think I would have done had I not been a fan of it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. For the purposes of this um, this series, I've asked all of the people who joined me to uh, to pick one King book in particular to talk a bit in a bit more depth about. I knew exactly one, which one you were going to pick before I even sent you the email. I knew it was going to be Christine, and I think anyone who's seen your Instagram will also have guessed that it would be Christine. Before we get to that car that you love so much, were there were there any sort of... I was going to say, were there any sort of, I guess, that challenged Christine or came close, which there probably weren't, but do you have any honourable mentions that you would also throw in here? Um, it's actually funny that you say all that, because I almost did not pick Christine. Really? Because I knew everybody would expect it and be like, like, how much more can I say about it? Um, But for honorable mentions, I mean, I still can't stop thinking about The Stand. Mm -hmm. And it was even in my top five that I can't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's pretty iconic. I mean, I know I've, I've sort of people will know I'm not the biggest fan of the stand but I can I can totally understand why why it gets in people's heads for sure and there's a there's even an, a sort of an appearance of Christine in it isn't there in the uh, in the revised one so let's use that as a segue then Christine I mean you said you you're almost a bit worried that you don't know how much more you can say I'm I'm struggling as to how to introduce it so I'll just go with facts it's the iconic tale of, of course, the red and white 57 Plymouth Fury. It's King's first book of 1983. I mean, productive year. You put three out that year. And I think, I, I mean, I'd put in the notes, it's arguably one of his most enduring creations. I think I can take out arguably that it is one of his most enduring creations and, and completely iconic. All that being said, without wanting to put words in your mouth, like, what is it about this book that, that you love so much? Yeah, I feel like Christine is a really divisive book. You either love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the people who hate it do so because they're so focused on the R when it's really a book about the relationship between Arnie and Dennis. You know, it's about moving from childhood to adulthood and you lose friends when that happens sometimes. And the reason it resonates with me so much is because when I was a senior in high school, my best friend and I had a falling out and we didn't talk for seven years. Wow. Um, and we talk again now, but we've never once brought up our falling out. And, you know, when I read Christine now, I kind of see a lot of that situation in what happens between Dennis and Arnie. And when you first read Christine, uh, do you, was that was that pre you and your friend falling out? Like it, it... Was that was that part of your experience of doing it for the first time? I read Christine a few years before, but okay. I had that are falling out. Okay. Um, and I think it was actually one of the few King books that scared me the first time I read it. I've just always loved it. So I mean, let's let's talk like 
favorite scenes, favorite characters, all of that kind of stuff. You, 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 I agree with you completely. Like people do get so focused on the car, but it's it's really, it's a love story. It's a it's a it's a story about friendship. It's a story about obsession, and it's a story about the humans involved. Like who who are your standouts when it comes to the the cast of characters within Christine? Yeah, um, I mean Will Darnell, of course. Listen. He is just such a bully. Um, and I think that's, you know, for me, one of the big things that the King Bucks, which a lot of us talk about, is how it's the people who are their one monsters. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Darnell is one of them. Buddy is one of them. And, you know, those are the characters, I think, who really stand out because they're so much more terrifying than the car. I always see it as a bit of a popcorn book. It's quite one of, it's a real page turner. It's got, obviously got a lot of action going on. Like, in terms of, in terms of scenes that, that have stuck with you, are there any, are there any that you particularly enjoy? Like, are any of the, uh, the bad guys getting their comeuppance that you are particularly, um, uh, get a kick out of? Buddy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I find that scene so terrifying when Christine goes after him. And then, is it, is it Darnell that's in his house and, like, running up the stairs when Christine yeah. comes after him? Okay, that, yeah, that one too, like, those two scenes always got me the one that really got me was was less of one of the, i think the kill scenes are all amazing but the the scene that always stuck with me is when is it new year's eve when dennis and arnie go out for a drive together and yeah. arnie's just drinking and dennis sees all the the ghosts in the car and stuff it's just i did there's something for for a book that's almost bordering on the edge of being a bit silly at times that that drive was really dark and really disturbing. Yeah. I think it was really, just really, yeah, just really captured like how far gone Arnie was and mm-hmm. seen, as you, as you mentioned, like seeing Dennis realizing that he'd probably lost his friend at that point. And it's, yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking and scary at the same time. I think really, really powerful, really powerful writing in many ways. Mm-hmm. I guess some something else that is, a real thread throughout the book is the music like is that has, have you have you ever have you ever sort of done made a christine playlist have you ever gone through and and, and sort of checked out all the songs while you're reading it or, or or done any of that sort of stuff i mean i can't remember a lot of the songs off the top of my head but it's rock and roll so it's a lot of music that i grew up with okay um so i do on occasion go listen to them i have the movie soundtrack on vinyl so i listen to that like, ugh, I love the music in Christine. So good. And, and like, in terms of the, um, the car itself, mm-hmm. obviously the, the red and white fury, like red, quite an, quite an angry color, quite a, a horror, a horror leaning color. Like, do you think Christine would have been as scary if she'd have been, I don't know, blue and yellow, green and purple? Like how, how important is the color of that car? But you know what? I just never thought about that. But I hadn't that's... until I hadn't until literally just then when it came out of my head. Well, yeah. Now that you say that, I'm I'm wondering if if it would have been effective as effective if she were in a different color. And I don't know that it would have been. The only other color that maybe could have been effective is if she were a black car, because then she's harder to see at night. No, it's one it's one to ponder, isn't it? Because it's part of the plot. If I remember correctly, it's part of the plot that the the red is such a rare color as well that's why they're able to to 
pin it down to Arnie quite quickly, isn't it? Right, like I think LeBay had her custom painted. Mm, yeah. Hmm. No, interesting. I'm just sorry. I'm just finding my own questions interesting. That's very, that's very vain of me. But yeah, it just I I'd never thought of it as well. It's uh, it's a, it's just an odd one. In terms in terms of the book, because the book and the movie came out in the same year, and often they get conflated and and so they they can often get merged. In terms of the book specifically, is there anything in the book that perhaps didn't make the cut of the movie that? that is is a powerful moment for you that you, I don't know perhaps you thought should have made the movie or is or is one that you just you enjoy being in the book but maybe wouldn't have worked in the movie or faithful to the book mm. um but what I think the movie lacks and I love the movie don't get me wrong but it doesn't have the same emotional depth mm. and not to say that Carpenter didn't necessarily try but I think it was harder to translate that kind of depth in a movie because we don't have as much room. So you, you said you said you're a fan of the movie. Like what what is what is it about? I mean, it's, again, it's, it's the movie's almost as iconic as the book in many ways. I think particularly with the when you pair it with the soundtrack and the the artwork and stuff. Like, what is it about the movie that you enjoy? I just think it's so much fun. I know the quality of it is not on the same level as the book, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's John Carpenter and. I just, I just get so much enjoyment out of that movie. I just have a blast every time I watch it. And the soundtrack as well adds an awful lot to it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it is, it is fantastic. I, Christine is one that there's always, there's always chatter, there's always rumours of a remake. Mm-hmm. Do you do you want a remake? Like, I, and and if if so, like how how different would you want it to be from what Carpenter did? Um, yeah, no, I don't want a remake. Fair enough. Partly because I think, you know, the original is Carpenter. Let's not touch that. But mm-hmm. partly because all the remakes we've been getting since It Chapter One, a lot of them haven't been very good. So I don't know that I trust anybody to do a good job with this. Mm-hmm. Maybe Flanagan. Now, that's not to say I won't watch a remake if it happens, but I don't think I'll like it. Flanagan's an interesting choice because he, yeah, he's he's got he's got that heart about him, hasn't he? So he could probably maybe get more of that depth that perhaps Carpenter didn't get. But I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, the, like you wouldn't get the practical effects now; that would all be CGI'd, and and it's never going to look as good as as what Carpenter did. The soundtrack obviously would never compare, and. I mean, there's so much other stuff that should be getting made as well that we don't need more remakes, particularly with the last few years, as you've been saying, like some of those those duds. Yeah, and how they've been changing some of the spot lines for them, like Pet Cemetery, which I get why they have to do it. Or did you see the new Firestarter? Oh, yeah. The changes they made of that, like how what changes, changes will they make to Christine? Because that could go really badly. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, yeah. And the, and the bullies won't be, won't be sort of throwbacks to fifties greasers either. They'll probably, it'll probably be, I don't know, it'll probably be set now, and I don't know, they'll be like looking like they're from the eighties or the nineties or something. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's let's not have a remake. Let's let's leave it with Carpenter. Okay, so so last question on Christine then. Going back to the book, if there's somebody out there watching this, listening to this, who has never given Christine a go, like what would 
if I asked you for a three-word summary to convince that person to go and pick Christina, what would those three words be? I have no idea. I'm really bad at stuff like this. <laughs> um, like, I wrote that question down and then never wrote an answer for it. But I think it, it goes back to that, you know, childhood to adulthood. Yeah. Or, which, I mean, is maybe not like the most enticing description, but... Hey, I think it works. That's, that's fine. It's, it's your choice. I, I like it. Good. Good. Okay. Right. We are almost done with this, Kelly. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed chatting to you. Um, I guess before I let you go, though, and this isn't this isn't one of those things you sometimes see on podcasts and stuff where it's like, a, hey, we're going to do this fun thing. Are you up for it at the end? We're doing the, the 19 question quickfire king challenge. That's that's not an option this is happening before we wrap this up so i'm just flagging this here basically to just check that you're ready for it because like i say we're, we're jumping into it so yeah let's do it you good to go cool mm-hmm. so this is this is the the same quick fire round that we're rounding off all of these chats with um and as i said to you before we push record like this can be as quick fire as you like so if you want to give any explanations you can and you might say something that makes me ask for an explanation but like you don't need to. You can just you can just answer the question and we can move on. So it's as as quick far as you want it to be. But um, let's jump into it. So, what was the first King book you ever read? Harry. And what's the most recent one you've read? Uh, well, as of today, I'm still reading with Tommy Knockers. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be the Dark Half. Okay, cool. Uh, I have a feeling I know the answer to this one, uh, but I will ask anyway. What is your all-time favorite Stephen King book? Christine. Uh-huh. And what about your all-time least favorite? Probably the Talisman. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, what do you think is King's most underrated book? Everything's eventual. Oh, a nice choice. Nice. Um in terms of cover artwork, which King book has your your favorite cover? There's an edition of it. And I have no idea which one it is, but it's, I think it's like, where do you kind of look by the house? That's a UK one. Get up. Is it the UK one? I love yeah. that one. The one where the house is kind of like the clown face. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is UK hardback first edition. I think. Um, yeah. I know the one you mean. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's got a bit of a carnival feel to it, hasn't it? Which mm-hmm. is, makes sense. Okay. And what about your least favorite cover art? Um, honestly, all of the Rainbow Hotter editions. I don't uh, actually like those very much. Uh, I think they're kind of boring. Uh, do, do you mean the new ones are the ones that I've collected? Or both? No, all the ones that that you have that people all over Instagram have. Just The spines are gorgeous, but I think the covers are so boring. It's a good job we're near the end of this interview. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I- I I I only hurt slightly, but it's it's fine. Um, what is the one King book that you could recommend to anyone? Pet Cemetery. Okay. I think that's one that has something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Um, in terms of adaptations, what's your favorite adaptation of a King book? Probably Misery. Okay. And what about your least favorite? The Dark Tower. Is just. Yep. All we all pretend doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if enough of us pretend it doesn't exist, then somebody will fund a proper a proper series of it, and we can just push that one out of existence. But okay, 
Um, in terms of thinking about your own writing, if you could have any King character make a cameo in your work, who would you like to have? You know, for my answer, I wrote down Blaine. Okay. Because I absolutely love him. If I were to go with something easier, Christine would be the easiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So definitely a vehicle either way, though. That's interesting. Um, I like it. Which King book or story would you say is most similar to your own style of writing? I have no idea. That's a really hard question. Um, and I had actually asked another one of my writers groups what they thought. And their answer was anything that appears that is character driven and supernatural. Okay. So take your pick, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a few there. Okay. No, I, I like that. Um, and for this next question, I, I'm just going to give three categories and I just want you to pick one King book for each. So I want a King book that you would keep forever and reread and reread until it falls apart. A King book that you would read only once, put back on the shelf and just forget about. And a King book that you would gladly delete from existence. Yeah. So keep the whole Dark Tower series. Read only once the Talisman. Mm-hmm. And delete forever. I think the Red Word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I can see that. Cool. So for the final five of this quick fire round, it's a simple either or round. Um, and I was going to explain it more, but I don't, I don't need to explain it more because it is a simple either or I'm making it far less simple than it is. So I'm going to just going to jump into the questions. Five more to go. Um, the book or the movie? The book. Okay. The stand or it? Despite what I said earlier, it. Okay. Would you rather take a holiday in Derry or have a night at the Overlook? Probably a night at the Overlook. Oh, brave. Okay. Um, short story or full novel? Full novel. And lastly, would you rather go for walkies with Cujo or have a weekend away with Annie Wilkes? A weekend with Annie. Wow. I, I think I could actually survive her. Cujo was just killing me. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it was rabid Cujo. Yeah. If it's not rabid Cujo, then obviously Walkie's <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Cujo was such a good boy. I think even rabid Cujo, this, like, there's a way of reaching him somewhere, potentially. Whereas Annie Wilkes, I don't know. But hey, you're going on the weekend with her, so it's, it's not it's not my problem. Um, Kelly, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting. Um, before we before we do wrap this up, um, just a chance for you to plug where people can find you where your work is like all of those kind of things so um the the, the floor is yours where, where can people connect with you yeah the main place is instagram flooring at kelly brocklehurst um i'm also on twitter at kel brocklehurst and that's kel with one l uh, i'm not as active on there and we'll see how long i stay on when i have that Elon Musk owns it i mean we'll see if twitter still even exists by the time this episode drops as well obviously <laughs> So those are okay. the two main places. Okay, great. And I'll pop links to those in the description for this. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to seeing um, how Zachman comes out, the Price Matter stuff when that eventually all happens and, and more of your editing work again. So Kelly, great great to chat to you. Thank you so much. Um, keep doing what you're doing because you, 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 you're one of the, one of the real 
stars of the scene and one of the people who make it a really great place and great community to be part of so i, I know i know we, we discussed earlier it's difficult for us to champion what we do so i'm going to champion you right now you you you're a real gem in this scene so thank you just keep doing what you do you it's really really appreciated thank you dave and thanks for having me on this has been so fun so there we go Huge thanks to Kelly for joining me on Constant Writers, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Do go and check out her work. In the description, you'll find links to all of the various collections that you can find Kelly's work in, as well as her Instagram and her Twitter feeds, as she mentioned in the conversation. Also in the description, you'll find links to sign up to my newsletter, where you get a collection of some of my short fiction for free just for signing up, and links to buy your copy of the Stephen King quiz book, which I published at the end of last year. And I'm very, very proud of. And given that Kelly and I were saying how difficult it is to market ourselves, I'm going to do it right here. My book's really good. Go and buy it. Kelly's stuff is really good. Go and buy that as well. And you'll find all the descriptions you need below. That's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Do rate, review, follow, subscribe, tell a friend, all of that stuff. But most importantly, come back again because... I've got another conversation with another constant writer for you very, very soon.